The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Uh, I love it. There's housekeeping details in the chat. Take a deep breath. Woo-sa, you're coming out of a meeting. You're coming off of a call. Let me know if you want a deal or close the deal on the call that you're coming off of, because I'm curious how many winners are in the room with us. You know that I give you a moment to come into the room, change your chat settings to everyone down at the bottom right-hand corner of the screen and let us know where you are tuning in from. That is what we do first. Who's going to be first? Let's see. Austin, Texas. Shout out to Austin. One of the best music towns in the U.S. Hands down. That's the truth. Shout out Chicago. I am uh, Lou Minotti's instead of, um, what's the other one that's really, pa- Giordano's. I am, I am not a Giordano's fan. Go ahead. Skewer me to the wall. I'm fine. It doesn't bother me. Shout out LA, the West Coast, always tuning in. Canada, we Canada always shows love. <laughs> oh, Michael, you raised your hand already. You're interested in this conversation about pizza. I understand. Let's kick things off, though. We got a lot of business to cover, and this is going to be a fast-moving show with a lot of great value to share. You are here. Welcome to the Daily Sales Show by JB Sales, the only show bringing you daily sales advice to help you sell better that I know of. I don't know of anyone else out there that's doing this, but if you're doing it, hey, you know, we accept your challenge. I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and we are here to talk about discovery tactics with two experts in the room, Ashley Welch of Somersault Innovation and John Barrows of Sell Better by JB Sales. Welcome back to the show. Hello, hello, hello. All right, Ashley, uh, I want to play a little Cards Against Humanity here. So this is a two-card question. Fill in the blank. People should be thinking about blank right now, and the reason is blank. Well, of course, I'm going to say discovery. People should be thinking a lot about doing better discovery because it's the sort of the age of the customer like it never has been before. So if you're not doing great discovery, you are not going to connect with your customer, and they've got a lot of other choices. Discovery is the name of the game. It's what sets us up for success. We're going to talk a lot about discovery today, but before we get started, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help you. The Sell Better Daily Show now offering instant access to our training and resources and our corporate training. So go ahead and scan the QR code on your screen or learn more at sellbetter.xyz. All right, it's time for that daily drop. So we're going to give you something that's going to help change your results right away. And this is a guide to using triggers in a relevant fashion in your prospecting. It's in the chat right now. These are free resources that you can go and take advantage of that will change your results. We like to figure out who's in the room here. That way we can tailor this conversation as best as possible. So go ahead and let us know, what are you? Are you an alien? Are you an SDR? Are you an AE? Are you in customer success? We got to know so that we can have conversations that matter more to you. While you guys are doing that, I want to tell you a little bit about what you're going to get out of today's show. Bam, here it is. Uh, strong process. You got to have it. There's no excuses for today. We, we have too many resources out there that don't even cost you anything, that you should have at least a few processes that you can work with. Uh, we're going to talk about curiosity. This is a challenge for almost every sales rep, genuine curiosity and how we get there. And then we're going to do more things around customer centricity and what it even means in the first place. Let's check out who's in the room. Bam. No shocker. Look at those AEs. Holy cow. There you go. <laughs> Good crew. Big Good time. Crew. Big time. Okay. So since we have a lot of AEs in the room... Uh, let's go ahead and get started on what AEs need to do more of. Ashley, I'm just going to pass it to you and just talk about this ketchup situation. What's with the ketchup? Um, all right. This is a great story. And this is all about, uh, it's, it's a story that exemplifies what is design thinking. So 
Heinz Ketchup, late 1800s, came out with their ketchup. They did fabulously well. And they were top of their category for years, decades. And mid-90s, all of a sudden, they're slipping. And they're not top of the category anymore. So wisely, they said, what the hell is going on here? And they went out and watched their customers use the ketchup. And James, I know you're a great uh, mime of this. Uh, people were like banging on their ketchup, couldn't get it out, sticking their knife up the ketchup, wasn't working. And they realized, he's shaking their ketchup, right? And they realized that this is just not working for the consumer anymore. And so when they, they reoriented the bottle to that second picture. So it was an upside down, squeezable bottle that delivered more ketchup more easily and satisfied the customer. Uh, and they went right back up to top of the category. And what I love about this story is, one, it's really intuitive, right? We should all be doing this, looking at the world through the lens of our customers. But when you do that, it leads to so much goodness, better results. And that's what Heinz did. So that's my story uh, in terms of how to see the world through the lens of your customer. John, you John, you wanted to make a distinction here between discovery and qualification. So I want, I want to kind of pivot to you so we can set a stage for the difference between the two for everyone in the room. Yeah, and this is actually uh, kind of a little embarrassed. This this came to me uh, relatively recently after being in sales for twenty plus years. You know, I always kind of thought of of discovery and qualification as kind of the same thing, right? Now I couldn't be more clear that it's such a clear distinction because qualification is about us. I'm trying to qualify you to see if I can sell you something, right? So this is Bant, this is Medic, this is all that stuff, right? And that is very kind of almost doctor checkup oriented type stuff. I personally try to get that stuff out of the way as fast as I possibly can, even with like a meeting efficiency survey or something like that. So I can skip that step because it's never the fun part of the conversation. It's basically like, okay, what do you do for this? What do you do for that? What do you do for this? What do you do for that? Okay, cool. You, you smell like a duck. You look like a duck. Let's go. Discovery, on the other hand, is about them. This is where you're now being curious about their situation, the, the impact of their business, and this is where you really need to focus. So in my opinion, I want to I get qualification out of the way as quickly as possible and almost segment it and make fun of it and be like, hey, James, uh, I got like five stupid questions I need to ask you right here just to make sure that we're on the same page here. Bang, 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 bang. Okay, cool. Now, now can we talk about you? and get into it. So that's why I think it's really important to not mistake the two that they're the same, but one's much more about them and one's much more about us. I want to point out that physical action you did there where you like ask those quick questions and then you just bam, slid that to the side. I feel like this is a like subconscious signal to somebody, a body language signal on a Zoom call that lets them know, okay, I've got what I need and now it's now it's about you. And I think this puts them in a position to talk more and, and we get more out of that. You talked, Ashley, about two terms that I really loved. You said chair side and with yous. And this is how we can change our reps. So let's talk about and our processes. So let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So I love those terms. That term with you, I just heard the other day. Um, so what that means is basically getting either virtually or literally physically side by side with the person that you're interested in because they're actually the person that you might be working with or they... Mm -hmm. You know, let's say you are a sales enablement firm and you want to sit next to a AE or SDR to, to sort of really understand what a day in the life of their uh, life is. And so a chair side is literally, can I sit next to you and just watch like, what tools are you using? Uh, and that's the same idea as a, as a with you. And organizations are doing this more and more. And it leads to what I would say is like, your gold is these end user stories that you yeah. have in that discovery so that you can come back and say, I was sitting next to John Barrows 
And you won't believe it. This is what I saw him do. And these were the gaps in his process. Let's talk about that. John, I you said something when we started talking about getting those stories. One of the things that you said was an action every seller should take, especially now, is that you should go talk to your actual customers. This is where you get the stories, right? Yeah. I actually think the more and more that we evolve here, I think sales should start with customer success. I, I, this predictable revenue model of SDR, BDR, AE is really one that is not customer centric in any way, shape or form because it's a handoff multiple times and those handoffs usually suck. And nobody likes to be qualified five times before they actually talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. So having the SDR cut their teeth, but then act before they move to an AE role and just now have to do full cycle and close, put them in a customer success role, put them in account manager role, because they'll learn how to cross sell, upsell and close. So they'll learn closing renewals that, but it'll be in a much safer environment and they'll have true empathy for the client. They'll start to understand use cases. They'll know what is what, when a sales rep sells something that isn't what the client was expecting and what that means. And so they'll come out with stories and empathy and insights. So then they might stay there, but then they'll go up to the AE role. And now when they're selling and closing, now, instead of just droning through questions, they'll be like, hey, actually, it's interesting you brought that up. One of the clients that I was working with last year, this happened. Is Are you seeing the same thing right now? Yeah. So that is so critical to me. And this is where, you know, I think organizations can can facilitate this by by doing it where you bring in customer success, pick a persona that, that your sales team is trying to sell to. And in that month, before you start executing your cadences and whatever, get two or three customers that fit that persona onto a Zoom session like this and just ask them questions. Hey, what's a day in the life look like? What's, what's you know, what were you doing before our, using our stuff and what are you doing? And forget about our marketing information. What would you say if somebody asked you what you get value out of, what would you say in your words? Oh, and by the way, what's your favorite form of communication, email, phone, video, whatever it is. And what was the last time you re responded to a prospecting email or something like that? You gather that information from the people you're about to go prospect into now when they're prospecting into them they have stories they have information they can pull from they have true empathy for those people that they're reaching out to the empathy part is the part that you mentioned when we started talking about this and you'll notice here uh there's so much packed into this conversation but we get heavy really fast and it's easy to start thinking about down the funnel stop for a minute and slow your roll and learn what matters to the person you're actually sitting next to or talking to. Uh, one of the things Ashley said was the gold, and I love this quote, this is tweetable shit here. Uh, by the way, Riaz, the physical gesture is moving those questions aside physically on the Zoom call. After you ask them, you move them to the side this way. And that way they see, oh, this is about me now, and it gets them in there. So there you go real, for that. Real quick on that, James, make sure also practice quantifying what you're asking. If you ask an executive five, six, seven questions after the fourth or fifth one, they're going to be like, could you just show me what you got? Could you just tell me the, could you just show me the demo? Because what they're saying here is we have to keep in mind time to value. When they're saying that they're like, you've gotten enough value out of this conversation. When am I going to get mine? But if you quantify what you're asking for specifically from an executive, they'll sit and wait. So you could say, Hey, uh, Ashley, I got five quick questions. I have to ask for you real quick. Do you mind if we just blast through these real quick and then we'll get to what's important, which is you. They'll sit in there, wait for five questions. If you don't tell them five questions around the fourth one, they're starting to get annoyed. So try that out. I like that. We're going to move on to design thinking. Here's some great language I use. Uh, then we can have a real conversation. They love that, right? They're like, oh, real conversation. That's super awesome. <laughs> okay. So design thinking, leveraging the discovery process. Ashley, where do we begin with research? 
Uh, what are we looking for to get more discovery around? Aside from like the surface level thing that we hear so often, which is like relevance and timeliness and triggers, what are we looking to do with these things? Yeah. Well, let me first define what defi design thinking is. Yes. So, uh, it's an innovation process. It's a problem solving process, like full stop. And it's just, it's, it's not complicated. It's five stages and there are tools and techniques in each stage that help you go from like, oh, I want to create something, or I want to solve something to what am I actually doing? And if you've heard of iteration, prototyping, fail fast, curiosity, empathy, customer centricity, these are all from the world of design thinking. Love and uh, what's different about design thinking is it's like explicitly centered on the customer. So really paying attention to what your end user or customer cares about throughout your entire sales process in this case. So design thinking at Somersault Innovation, we felt like once we understood design thinking, we were like, wait a second, these are the tools and skills that sellers should be using all day long. We can pull from this great uh, sort of library of methodologies and mindsets and use them in sales. So that's why I care about design thinking. And I think everybody in sales should as well. I think one of the definitions that you gave for this, that was probably my favorite definition you gave, was you can use design thinking to increase your chances of delighting your customers mm -hmm. and decrease the risk of failure. Nice. That was probably my favorite quote from you. <laughs> I like that quote. It's true. <laughs> John, too many salespeople wing it. Why is design thinking something that everyone winging it today? And just, you know, hey, let's be honest, right? One in the chat, if you've ever winged it before, let me know. Uh, and right here, like, you got my one, like, yo, I have winged many, many things. But John, wh why should people stop doing this, especially right now, right here? Well, because you act like a robot, you're getting replaced by a robot, and now is the absolute time that that is coming to fruition. The days of the no value interaction from a client, from a sales rep standpoint are over. 2023 is where the customer is not going to tolerate being drawn through bank questions, being drawn through bullshit presentations and demos and stuff like that. You have to care. And the only way, look, I, and I, I'm a big, yesterday I had eight sales calls, okay? Eight sales calls that were back to back to back to back to back to back. Most of those conversations are very similar, right? I ask them questions about what their needs are. I share with what we do and we go from there. I could easily, after 27 years of doing this, I could easily just kind of show up in the morning and be like, all right, cool. What's the, you know, how many sales reps do you have? What's, you know, what's the big back gaps that you have? What's the impact to it and all that stuff. But what happens with that is you get, it's obvious to, to people who know, especially in the executive layer where, where people are going through motions. And you'll get caught and i promise you this and i've been caught i usually get caught maybe once a year these days maybe only once every two years and it goes something like this where an executive will say hey john thanks for coming on board hey before we get started here could you do me a favor and tell me what you know about us so far and if you've ever put a one in the chat if anybody's ever been caught with that one and how horrible that feels right and it, again i get caught like at least you know, in, in, previously I used to get caught a lot because I was going through the motions because you get lazy because you're like, I've done this. I know this stuff. I've been doing it for years. What's the difference? But promise you, watch your close ratios when you prepare versus when you don't. Watch the empathy. Watch the engagement. Somebody asked in the chat, like, how do you get people to open up to authenticity? Well, you show you've done your fucking homework. That's yeah. how you do it. You show that you've actually prepared for this meeting, that you're not just droning through your dumbass questions and going to show them something just because they gave you 30 minutes of their time. You, I even tell people that I've, I've prepared for this meeting. My small talk, and this is a tip for people, don't do small talk about weather and all that dumb shit these days. Do small talk about what you've learned about them 
for that call. So I'll usually say, hey, uh, Ashley, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Do we still have 30 minutes? Fantastic. Look, look, Ashley, as I was preparing for this call right now, I actually noticed on your website, you guys are doing some really cool things. And, you know, it looks like you're paving your your your, uh, <laughs> your driveway. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, and so help me understand, like, what you, and, and it might not be directly related to what we're talking about, but it shows that you care. It shows that I spent five minutes on your website and I'm not going to ask you the dumbass question like, tell me what you do. Tell me about your business. What keeps you up at night? All those questions are so horrible and it shows that there's no need for you as a sales rep to do that. The, the genuine curiosity, you can only get there by caring. That's the only way you can generally get there is, is by actually doing some homework, knowing enough and being curious to ask the layering questions. So let's let Ashley break down what messaging looks like when we actually care. You guys know that we give you real examples of shit that matters. Uh, so first of all, the results of this email are in the top left. So let's call attention to that right away. But go ahead and break this down for everybody. Why do you think this email was successful? Yeah, this, so this email actually came with a picture too. So one of the things yes. I will say is one of the things that I've noticed is you increase your chances of getting a response if you also include a picture, particularly if you include a picture of yourself with the person's brand. So of course, you're not going to do this for everybody you're prospecting or talking to. But if you actually are really trying to uh, strategic, be strategic with a customer, try this out. So this woman, um, it was a, um, what was it? It was like a... Uh, customer service um, software that she was selling. She was going after R&F, which is uh, Rodan and Fields. It's a makeup firm. And so she posted a picture of her when she was getting married and she sent this email, which said, I'm a huge fan of yours, basically. You made such a positive change for me. And through my research and firsthand experience, here's what I've learned um, about you. And so she just went on to say, like, basically everything about them. And this is how she got such a quick response. I love it. And this whole thing, yeah, what was the subject line is a great question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Good but, question. We'll talk about, we can talk about subject lines. Yeah. yeah <laughs> something about them, not about you. Yeah, I would say it was probably highly personal. Uh, this is another example that I want to give to you here. Go ahead and yeah. break this one down. Again, CEO responded, first meeting. I know. And this was from a technology research company. Um, I love this because so uh, Red Robin is a restaurant in the Midwest. Um, he said well, he was working with us and we always tell people like, stop selling, go like pay attention to your customer and get to know them. So he took his family to Red Robin. So with this email came a picture of his two kids outside of Red Robin. Um, and he tells this funny story. He said, I went in, here's what I loved about it. He says, my wife really appreciated that she could order unlimited broccoli. <laughs> and he's like, for me, that wouldn't work so well, but she loved it. And then he just drops this thing in the end, like, hey, I'd love 15 minutes to talk to you about customer service. Again, the CEO wrote right back. It's so distinctive. It differentiates yourselves. And as John said, it says, I care about you. And I just want to say, I wore this in part, you know, because Wonder Woman is awesome. But you may not know that Wonder Woman was constructed a long time ago because she was supposed to be a love leader. And what a love leader means is that you fall in love with the people that you lead. And this reminded me of one of the AEs we worked with. And they said to, he said to us after we were teaching him some of these tools, he said, wait a second, you're teaching me how to fall in love with my customer, not the other way around. And I was like, that's exactly right. The more you care, the more you are like, I want to help you because I care about you. They're going to fall right back in love with you. 
I love these two examples because they're real examples that yielded real meetings. And because they were the C-level, it brought me to this question for the audience. All of this stuff is hinging on us knowing who we sell best to. So here's my question to you. Who do you sell to? That's what I want to know right now. If you don't know, it's okay. Tell us in the chat, you know, I'm new. I, I have no idea about my ICP. This is the first time I've even heard about ICP. What does it mean? It means ideal customer profile. You said customer centric, and we've been talking about this a lot. I want to give a definition for this because I feel like it's an overused phrase these days, and it means different things to different people depending on their slant, right? So what does customer centric even mean in 2023? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I'll tell you what it means to me. It could mean something different to other people, but Customer-centric means selling means literally you're paying attention to what your customer cares about, first and foremost, before you're caring about what you're selling. And you're connecting then what you sell to what your customer's business outcomes are. So that's yeah. like solution selling or you know uh, consultative selling because you're paying attention to your customer's needs, interests, outcomes, first and foremost. I like it. Uh, in the chat, while John talks about customer-centric and why it's hard for salespeople to get it right and why it takes time, give me two words that you would describe customer-centric as for you personally. That's what I want in the chat. Two words that help you to describe customer-centricity. What two words would you choose? John, why is this hard for people? I, I think a lot of it comes down to how we're indoctrinated into sales and how we're onboarded, right? I mean, most companies, their their onboarding program is all product. It's it's here's all the product, here's everything that you need to know, here's every feature, here's every function. And by the way, you got to go through your, you know, uh, to get your badge, right? So that you pass the test on how to deliver this. What you do with that is you cram all this knowledge down some rep's throat and then you unleash them into the world and that's the only thing they have to talk about. You know what I mean? So that's what they're comfortable with because they just got a badge for it. They just got a gold star, whatever. So now that you've just enforced that, hey, let me talk to, you know, let me talk about me because this thing's so awesome. And actually, I, I would take the opposite approach of, of onboarding people. The first thing that I would do is I would have a rep. I wouldn't give a rep a quota for the first three months of their, of their job here. And their first month would be all about meeting with customers, talking to customers understanding what the use cases were and also talking to internal customers like the legal team and all that other stuff to understand how they can work together and then once that then i'm going to give you a little a small pitch not a big you know, i'm going to give you enough information to be dangerous and i'm going to let you i'm going to leash you on the phone so you can get out there and have the basics but then be curious enough to start having conversations and then i'm going to start to introduce more of the product knowledge and stuff like that for you so that right there to me it's 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 hard to break out of that, especially with where we are. Last point on this is from a generational standpoint. Most, I'm a Gen Xer here. I grew up breaking shit and figuring things out. My daughter now and, and, and everybody behind us, every moment of their lives has been structured. So they go from school to this hour to this hour. They have soccer practice from this hour. They have their iPod. for, And we're all taught to the test. So you got to hit that MCAS, not about critical thinking anymore. You have to have that. So I think there's a macro problem here because we're, we're actually teaching these kids to be robots, to fix that problem, to follow that thing. And then they get out into the real world and they get managers like me and they, you know, they look at me like, what do I do? And I go, figure it out. And they're like, what do you mean figure it out? Like, tell me what to do. And then a manager like me, you don't know what to do. I'll tell you exactly what to do. Here's a template. Here's a script. Do this, do that. And then they act like a robot. The answer is structure. 
The answer is providing structure to a group because I like building structure. I don't like being in structure. But but the, the younger generation needs the structure because they'll execute within that better than we ever would. So don't give them a script. Don't give them ban. Don't give them medic. Give them a structure of, of a couple of questions to ask and then make them be curious. This is good because it feeds that need for great discovery and create and you know the question the big question can I teach people to be curious right and I think we had you know some disagreements in the room when we were prepping for this but people some people are inherently curious and some people need to sharpen that axe uh, and that's a part of the game that takes time and effort and real effort on the salesperson's part it looks like a lot of people do know who they sell best to but eleven percent of you guys you know, kind of other, you know, don't know, maybe you're new. Uh, I love the people that are selling to the C level. That's probably where customer centric selling and really being uh, researched and knowing your game and knowing their game will come the most in handy. So thanks for taking part in that question there. Uh, okay. I want to, I have to pivot here because I think that design thinking, and you talked about how people get good at it and it takes time and it takes practice. Let's talk about this journey. John, when you said this, I was like, we need a visual. Everyone has to see this flow. And then I thought about Ashley's design thinking and her expertise and how things change. So talk about the evolution of sales reps. And we can look at this in macro or micro. This could be some really fast metamorphosis here, or it could take a long time for a rep to get good at this. And that's where design thinking comes in great handy. So Ashley, I'll, I'll pass it to you after John breaks this journey down. Yeah, this is, this is very distinct to prospecting, right? So most reps, what they'll do is they'll come out of training with all the knowledge of their product and, you know, the messaging that marketing gives them and they'll just absolute blast out, right? And they'll just send out, make mass cold calls, make, send out generic emails and whatever it is. And then all of a sudden they might take a training or they might realize that that's not working. So they, all of a sudden they start to be taught to, to look for triggers, right? And a trigger is, you know, doing a little bit of homework to find something to make a connection to. So, hey, I saw you went to university, not, <laughs> hey, I saw you merger and acquisition. Uh, we help companies and they're basically just trying to connect the dots like oh you uh, merger and acquisition this is our value to merger and acquisition here you go and then go right and that gets better results because it shows some type of research it goes some some type of effort but then it levels out because making those connections is is good but not great then you break through the give a shit factor and the give a shit factor is when you start actually genuinely thinking about the person on the other end of that call or that phone number or that email address as a person who wakes up in the morning, who has kids, who has issues just like the rest of us, has a boss probably yelling at them, has 8,000 8, things on their plate every single day. And then you start thinking it from their perspective of maybe, oh, smoke, how can I help that person? Not that persona, not that name, not that title, but how can I potentially help that person? And why do I think I can help this person? Like that's a big piece of this. When we talk about breaking down our ICP here, when when my team gets their top 25 list of their tier one accounts, I say, get the demographics so that they can get your list. But before you put them on your real list, I want you to now look at those companies and find out why you personally want to do business with them. Why? Do, do they align with your values? Is their product something cool? Do, have you seen somebody in the past that you've made a huge difference for? Right. That's your top 25. You know why? Because when you prospect into that top 25 with that mentality that you want to work with them because you see something that you genuinely connect with, the messaging kind of takes care of itself. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's easy, but holy shit, is it easier to have a conversation when it's real? 
I feel like you're right and it is easier. And when we got to this point, Ashley said, we, and I'm going to quote you here, we have to move past checklist discovery. What's checklist discovery? And yo, let me know in the chat, put guilty in the chat if you're guilty of checklist discovery. I know I am. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit what John talked about earlier, which is your qualification uh, questions that you ask that you just run through. It's uh, not asking a follow-on question. I'm just asking a question to check off that I asked it and got the answer, and I don't ask you anything else about that. I go to next question, which, again, you sound like a robot. You would never have that conversation on a first date. It, nobody likes that. So, um, And it goes to like move off a checklist discovery to uh, what we've already been talking about, which is discovery that's really focused on learning about your customer and what they care about. And can I tell you something real quick on this? Uh, is like, this is what drives me crazy when listening to gong calls and stuff like that. It's like, you listen to the call as somebody who's been around the block for a little while and kind of understands things a little bit, right? You listen to a gong call, I can literally hear the point where I'm just, I, I want to jump into the call and be like, no, shut up. That just like, you just skipped right over the most important Thing that they just said hey. it, it's because they have this list of laundry questions and they're not curious i don't get me wrong i think we need to start with some questions that that get us there but not the basic qualification ones little bit of homework you don't you do not need to be the industry expert here okay if i'm talking to a cio i do not know i didn't go to school to be a cio i don't i'm I, that's not my skill set but i can google CIOs, healthcare, priorities, challenges, 2023. I can go on Indeed and look at a job description of a CIO in healthcare, and I can come up with thoughtful questions instead of tell me about your priorities. Uh, I can be like, hey, you know what? We're, we're, we're dealing with a lot of CIOs in healthcare right now, and they're telling us that in 2023, the top priorities are X, Y, and Z. Are those yours? Just that, just that alone shows that you know their world a little bit. And so you either get a yes and or a no but, as opposed to a generic answer to it ashley you and your co-founder at jaw at uh, somersault josh uh, you guys had something that's extremely relevant to what john just said you said there are four elements to curiosity mm -hmm. i want to break these elements down and john i know that you'll relate this right back to this you know really digging in and having some level of like i did my homework i i think i heard somebody say once if you want 10 minutes of my time, show me that you gave me five first. And I Please, yeah. think about that all the time. Talk about these four elements of curiosity for me and for the folks in the room. Yeah, well, this goes to the point you were talking about earlier, like some people are naturally curious and other people yes. need to build this muscle. And so this is a way for you to build your curiosity muscle. I think of these as elements or triggers. So triggers in a conversation. Um, that you are paying attention to. So when you're talking to someone and something surprises you, you're like, oh, I don't know that. You hear a hack or a workaround. Hack or workaround is someone uh, has a CRM, but they use an Excel spreadsheet to uh, create their forecast. That's a hack or a workaround. And you want to look for things that people care about. They value, like they love something or they're super frustrated. And yeah. we'll talk about each one of these again. Uh, or inconsistencies, contradictions. Uh, you know, it's high priority for us, but we don't have a budget. Inconsistent. So when you hear any one of those, you want to name it like, wow, that's surprising. And then say, can you tell me more about that? So, and what I think of these all as is like portals into all this information. So if you can just pay attention to your conversation, you hear any one of these, you stop, you acknowledge it. And then you say like, that's interesting. Can you tell me more about that? Yep. Uh, 
And there's so, you know, and what it does is it gets you more information. It connects you more deeply to your customer because they're like, oh, they're paying attention to me. They want to know more about me. Um, and you build relationship and trust, which is all goodness in sales. You just hit that word. And John, this is where you hopped in and you said, I think it's bullshit that people say people buy from who they like. I think it helps, but I think people buy from who they trust. Talk yep. about the distinction here. As plenty of people I like that I wouldn't buy shit from. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm straight up. You know what I mean? Like I got friends who I'm like, yeah, I like you, but I, you, nope. I, I don't, I don't. Because, because they don't have the knowledge they, they, they haven't done their homework. They're, they're not truth. You know, like they're not truthful. I don't trust them that what they're telling me is what's going to happen. I think that they're probably trying to sell me on something, even though I like them as a person, right? So trust to me is more important. And you sh how do you build trust? Somebody asked that earlier. It's like, how do you get people to open up? You do it by the preparation and the show that you gave um, as much time th that you're asking. Look, everybody's most valuable asset is time. If you don't respect that, then there's no chance you're going to build trust with me. And so I will buy from, I might not like, I mean, I, if, look, if I don't like the person at all, then I still might buy from their company, but I might not buy from them. But I don't have to like you. I, I have to trust that what you're telling me though is the truth. And that part to me is really important. And so that's why curiosity and all those things come into play because I can tell when somebody cares. I can tell when somebody's genuinely trying. Look, here's a, here's a hack for people to think about, which is start disqualifying instead of qualifying. Try that approach. Once you, well, I'm sorry. Once you qualify that they fit them like a basics, right? Start asking all the questions of why you shouldn't, why they shouldn't work with you. Be like, well, like for training, it's like, I do this all the time. People are like, oh, we need training. I'm like, well, why? Well, you know, we, you know, I just got to upskill my team. I'm like, why? Well, they need to write better emails. Okay. So why wouldn't you do like a lavender or like, why don't you like, there's technology out there that can write better emails for you. Why do you think training is? Well, just because, you know, I, I, I know. And I, and I'm like, so help me understand, you know, and I start under like, and I unwind it. And the odd thing about that is when I start asking those questions, like, wait a minute, why are you doing this? Why wouldn't you do it this way? That builds trust because they're like, well, wait a minute, you don't want my business? No, like, I want it. I just don't need it. And I don't want to give you something here that's not the right fit. I mean, I've walked away from far more opportunities than I've pursued because I, I look at it and I'm like, mm, we could do good here, but we can't do great. And in a world where reviews matter, like the word of mouth is killer these days, social and all that other stuff, I don't need some, we did okay. You know what I mean? John, I but John, I have a budget and if I don't spend it, I won't get it next year. This is not the way to buy training or that's resources. government. That's no, don't even get me started on government. Race. I, I sold to the government, by the way, I sold copiers. And all I did was at the end of the fiscal year was wait for John. I need 50 grand. Okay. What do you need? It doesn't matter. I need 50 grand. That makes me sick. Like that is like, uh, so we've given you guys a lot to think about. So now I'm wondering what your discovery superpower is. Go ahead and take part in this question that I've just launched right here. Uh, Ashley, right before we finished this call, you said something that caught my attention because I've experienced it in the past. John, I think you have a relevant point here too. We said, why are people not inherently curious more often than not? And you had said there's a reptilian survival instinct. And John, your answer to this was, there's pressure coming from above, so we're not afforded that luxury. Ashley, I'll give it to you. What's survival instinct? <laughs> uh, so all of us have what's called a yep. reptilian piece of our brain, which is from you know thousands and thousands of years ago, which helped us survive, which yeah. aren't just interested in food, shelter, getting what I need. 
so I survive. And I think, you know, that still exists for us, this part of us that leads us to make sort of rash decisions. And I think, you know, all of us in sales are paid when we sell and pay money is how we survive. So I think there's something about we get triggered when we're selling to like just go for the clothes and we don't show up as our best curious empathic selves. And so I think it's about like calming that reptilian part of us, which is like, it's going to be all right. It's all right. Just chill. And as someone said to me the other day, you know, doing it, being this curious, more customer centric uh, person in sales is like having a 90 day mindset to close a 30 day in a 30 day deal cycle, like relax. And by being uh, sort of more, more authentically curious and focused on your customer, more goodness will turn up faster. Yeah. 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 John, uh, some pressure is good. We need pressure. Too much pressure is bad. Where do, how do we know? Uh, we're, we're all living it right now, my friend. <laughs> we are, man. We're all living it right now. Why do you think all these layoffs are happening? Because all growth at all costs, throw money at it. I don't give a shit. Just get people in the front end and we don't care at the back end and go, 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 go. And all those companies that took that approach from the VCs on down are getting slaughtered right now. And rightfully so. I feel bad for the individuals who are getting slaughtered, but not the companies who are getting beat up who forced this growth at all costs because that is not the way that this works. If Okay, fine. If you're a one-call close, go for it. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, have a blast, right? I, you know, you might be successful, you know, might not be. And there is, and look, we need to push. We need, there is a work ethic issue on the other side of this that I am concerned about, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, me going home at five o'clock, how dare you ask me to work past five o'clock? Really? Come on, step up. If you really want to be successful, you have to put in the effort. But I also ask that the that the downward pressure of go, you know, 50 dials a day and X amount of demos and get through this. Like you, we are breeding robots and again are getting replaced by robots. Yep. And so I just think that we need to slow down a little bit, be thoughtful about our growth, not growth at all costs. And hopefully that's what these past three, four, five months have taught most people in this industry, specifically in SaaS. Um, and so we can now right-size this and start to focus on the client, start to give these reps a chance, let them breathe a little bit, let their ramp be less, you know, more than 30 days before they have to produce results, right? right? 30 days is an unrealistic process. ramp anyway. We've been talking about that for years. I mean, 30 days, it takes a year just to learn the vertical, the ICP, the product, the service, the history, the background, the the industries that you sell best to, the personas. It, it's a year just to get to those few things. 30 days, you're an insane person. Let's look at some of these results right here. Uh, curiosity seems to be the lead. I love there's so many curious people in here. You can be more curious. I promise there's room for improvement. Shout out to challenges and preparation, though. I feel like a superpower if I had to choose one, like overcoming challenges is a good one and preparation is massive. John, you said do your homework and prepare for the meeting. Uh, I think I think clarify things before you give that knee-jerk reaction too. You had an instance. <laughs> Wait, which one was it? Where? Uh, so this was the one where somebody got back to you and you had a knee-jerk reaction and then later you found out that it wasn't, uh, oh. wasn't what you thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, I, unfortunately, sometimes. Well, because, he, and this is also when you get caught doing too many things, right? I get caught a lot of times where I, I, I'm juggling 15 different things and I react. Yeah. And I'm just going to beg everybody out there. Nothing in our world in sales is is important enough to have to respond to immediately. I don't care what deal you're working on. 
take a fucking breath before because i was negotiating with a guy and i was doing a good job and he was asking me for some stuff and whatever and then he threw one more and i'm a three strikes and you're out guy you screw up you know you do something once whatever you do something twice okay third time i usually react and it's just this this thing it's just me right and so after the third give if you will that i wasn't getting in the front i reacted poorly and i was like well yeah oh in addition to those things there was a jackass comment now, yeah. thankfully, he was like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. And what he was asking, by the way, was was actually not that bad. Like it was, it made sense. But I reacted to it because I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I was doing too many things at the same time. And I was frustrated because I, I didn't put it in context of where things were. And so, yes. you know, doing that preparation, having that time to breathe, not responding immediately to an email and thinking it through. I One quick one here, I realized this about me, I'm a zero inbox guy. Like I'm a zero inbox guy. So at the end of every day, I look for a zero inbox or at, I'm sorry, at the end of every week. And inevitably I'll go through a day like today and I get 250, 300 emails, right? And I'll not respond to all of them. And I'll be like, oh, I gotta, we gotta do all these. And then what's funny is I let that go and I wake up in the morning and you'd be amazed at how fast I hammer through those emails. Cause I'm like, that's not important. That's not important. That's not important. Okay. This is the one I have to, but that night when I'm looking at 55 or a hundred emails left in my inbox before tomorrow, I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get to every one of these. And I, if you just let it take a breath and this is the same thing with qualification and discovery, take a breath, get used yeah. to layering questions. Tell me more about that. Give me an example of, could you clarify for me what that means? Because nine, and that's with objection handling too, by the way, nine times out of 10, the objection that they give you is a very surface level objection. Layer it. What do you mean by that? Could you mean an example there? And that's discovery. You got, you got to slow down is the name of the game there. Ashley, you've got a course coming up. I want you to tell people about this course. What's going to be involved in it? It's going to be hosted right here. Sell better. What's happening? What, what? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Sell by Design Discovery. It's an online course. It's about two hours of content. It's Justin and I uh, in video, just five short minute videos along the way. There are five different modules on discovery uh, tools, mindsets and methods, insights, and there's a challenge at the end. It's really fun. It even have my favorite part is has stories from other sellers that we've worked with, SEs, value managers, AEs, telling their story of how they've used their tools, much like what you saw in terms of those emails. So it's going to be on the Sell Better platform. Um, and then for teams or organizations who want to purchase it, then you can come straight through Somersault. Well, I want to give you a chance to answer our most upvoted question here, Ashley. How do we get Pro Congratulations on the course too, by the way. I am so excited to see this thing go down. Uh, and you get to work with David. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Uh, how do you get a prospect to open up authentically and honestly in a discovery call without worrying if their answers are just a smokescreen? This is actually happening a lot. Shout out to Marnie. Great question. So let me make sure I understand. To make, without uh, worrying about whether their answer, the person you're asking a question, is a smokescreen to you. Yeah, I think she's saying, how do we get them to open up authentically instead of just giving us the smoke screens that we so often get. Gotcha. Um, well, I think, again, it, this sounds like it, just being redundant, but like if you're genuinely curious about them, people feel that, right? If you are just asking them like something that's generic, they get that. But if you say something really honest about them, I think that people open up. And I was thinking about this the other day when I was on a, um, it was a, it was like a show and people had to, and I was, having people come in and try to have a uh, discovery conversation with me and what would I do? And the guy who, one of the contestants started talking to me about some of the things that he saw up here. So he didn't even talk to me about what he was selling. He just talked to me about this and like, what was this picture over here? And I was like, 
so thrown off. But I was like, oh, I'd love to talk to you about that. <laughs> I just started trying out. So I think by being like genuinely curious about the person, what you see, something you know, um, helps people sort of put down their guard and respond honestly. And then that's the entryway into then moving it to, you know, other questions that you care about that to do with your business in there. That's a, that's a great answer. Go ahead. A couple of small tips. Uh, make sure your questions are open-ended. I know that's yep. basic, but make sure they're open-ended. Make sure you're layering questions. And also, when you get that feel that people's just going through the motions, don't hesitate to stop the conversation and just be like, can I ask, it doesn't seem like you're all that interested in having this conversation. Why did you take the call in the first place? Because I don't want to waste your time. If you're really just going through the motions and you need a number to throw on a spreadsheet, just let me know and I'll happily give that to you. So you basically call out the situation. And I do that all the time. I'm like, did somebody force you to have this meeting with me right now? Because I, I feel like you, you really have zero interest in having this conversation with me. And that's totally cool. It, it, it's 100% okay. I'm happy to share with you whatever information you want to help you out in your situation. But I, like, this doesn't seem like it's going too far. So I'd rather just kind of give us both back some time here if you're really genuinely not interested. And then you either get the thank you, piss off, or no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm just having a little bit of a rough day and you know, blah, blah, blah. And now you've immediately broken down that barrier. So just be real. Just be real. You don't have to make shit up. You just can call out a situation for whatever it is. And that's what you're making yourself vulnerable by doing that. And when you show your own vulnerability, like people respond to that as well. Self-deprecating mm -hmm. is always fun. Self-deprecation goes a long way sometimes, but just a little bit. Don't really hurt yourself yeah, don't go process. We want to thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom. Shout out to you guys for coming out and learning with us today. Okay. We're going to put John's LinkedIn and Ashley's LinkedIn inside the chat so you guys can connect with them. We want to th thank you for coming out and investing in yourself. Connect with us on social and we will see you tomorrow for another great show to help you sell better. Have a great day, everybody. Go get them. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.